Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your loving presence with us this morning. I just thank you for this opportunity um, to learn and to grow. And, you know, Father, I just pray that this word which you've put on my heart would just be filled with words from your heart. And that, um, yeah, you just bless everyone here this morning. Amen. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so um, I was thinking about the verse John 3.16 one day, and as I was just doing something very ordinary, like staring out a window or typing out something in the office, I just had this small thought, um, and it was like the dropping of a pebble in a very large pond on a still day. It was just the smallest ripple on a calm surface. And I'm sure we all know the verse really well, John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish but would have eternal life. And I'm going to share this thought I had with you for a reason. I've had other thoughts. Thanks, Jesus. I have thoughts. Um, And they've changed the way I think and they've changed me. But this one is still in process. I'm still on the journey with this thought and I haven't yet found a conclusion, I guess you could say. So I'm sure you're all just waiting for me to hurry up and share already. Um, So here we go. My thought was this. Eternal life is in Christ. So does that mean if we're not in Christ, we're not eternal? Now the implications and findings and searchings related to that are not what I'm going to talk about today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what I do want to talk about today is this transformational posture and process, which is just a really fancy way um, of saying that I want to talk about positioning ourselves to think, to learn, and to grow in the kingdom. And you know, the small story I just shared was just one way that I receive little nuggets to process, which, as I said, can change the way I think, and they can change me. So let's tackle step one. Are you positioned to learn and grow? And you know, I think that sometimes maybe we don't even realize that um, perhaps we're not as teachable as we think we are, um, or maybe actually we're being swept away on a tide of other people's thoughts and beliefs that aren't necessarily biblical or truthful. And I think both of these positions come from having little or no filter or process to our belief system, which, you know, is the ways we think and it's the thoughts that we think. And I think this is important because our transformation starts with our mind. You know, like Paul says in that famous verse, Romans 12 verse 2, which is at the heart of my message today, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's got, what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So um, before I continue, I just have a couple of questions, and I'm going to put them up here, and i just kind of like us to ponder them and challenge ourselves with them. And... Um, I just want you to understand that there's absolutely no judgment here because I am guilty of all of these myself, um, which is how I came to ask these questions. Um, So here we go. 
Do you listen to others speaking and kind of often find yourself getting defensive, you know, defending what you believe, even if you're just defending it in your mind? It doesn't have to be a spoken conversation, but do you kind of find that maybe these walls coming up? Um, and maybe alongside that, you know, do you find that if someone says something that does line up with what you believe, you're kind of like, yeah, like preach it. And um, you're kind of like, see everyone, that's truth right there. I know a few people who could uh, do with that in their lives. You know, I hope they're here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, you know, putting it out there. <laughs> um, or maybe do you find that you're like a sponge soaking up everything that anyone says and just kind of believing it at face value? You know, do you find that maybe you don't really have a process to test out what you hear or believe? Um, And thirdly, I thought I would chuck this question out here as well because I do see it becoming more and more evident. And it's this. Do you find yourself questioning the truth and or the relevance of the Bible? And I'm not going to broach the topics that are current struggles throughout the church, but, you know, I think we can all think of some of them. And I think that they stem from the struggle to live from the theology of our faith and yet live amongst the culture of our world. And so these are extremes, these questions. (laughs) And we can fall anywhere on the scale, and you know, it might even change depending on the topic of conversation. But I want to read the beginning of 1 Corinthians 8, um, from verses 1 to 3. And in this passage, um, Paul is actually instructing the churches in Corinth about whether or not it's good to eat food sacrificed to idols. But as an aside, Paul says this. Now, let me address the issue of food offered in sacrifice to idols. It seems that everyone believes their own opinion is right on this matter, how easily we get puffed up over our opinions. But love builds up the structure of our new life. If anyone thinks that they know it all, they still have a lot to learn. But if a person passionately loves God, they will possess the knowledge of God. So in this verse, Paul suggests that the first thing to do in order to become teachable is to passionately love God. And I think this is because loving God puts our heart in the right place. You see, it's not just a posture of learning that's required. It's also a posture of relationship, of longing to know the answer to that question. God, who are you? If we just posture ourselves to learn things about God, then God becomes an abstract. In the words of Bruxy Carvey, it's like we start to talk about God as though he's no longer in the room with us. But when we position ourselves to be in relationship with God, then it's like every human relationship we have. The more we spend time in someone's presence and actively engage with them, the more we know them trust them, love them, and the more they rub off on us. So positioning ourselves to learn and grow begins with positioning ourselves to love God, to put our hearts in the right place, to ask that relational question, God, who are you?
Secondly, I think we need to understand that we can know the thoughts and the ways of God. I have heard wonderful, faith-filled believers say when there's something confusing in a teaching or Bible verse or a heavily disputed biblical topic, or if they just don't have the answer, you know, they'll say things like, God's ways are a mystery. God's ways are not our ways. God is a mystery. And I just kind of want to dispute that a little bit today. Um, So Isaiah writes in chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But in 1 Corinthians 2, we can actually see that things have changed, that the death and resurrection of Jesus have powerfully changed our interaction with God. And Trent has spoken about this quite a bit recently, Um, If you missed it, I really recommend catching up on those Seeing Jesus podcasts, which you can catch on our website. But I just want to read out um, 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm going to be reading from verse 6. Here we go. There is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age. Nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the things that God has in store for everyone who loves him. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know their hidden impulses except for that person's own spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his own spirit, the Spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but we received the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to them. They can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they're only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of God well enough to instruct him? Christ has, and we possess the mind of Christ. 
So (laughs) there's a lot going on in that passage. But we can see in this passage that because of Christ, what was once inaccessible, the thoughts, the ways, the mysteries of God, they're now accessible. How? By the renewing, the rewiring of our mind to think and to understand like Christ, to put on the mind of Christ. And as a small challenge, I'd like us to try, you know, next time that we don't understand something, to say so. You know, it's okay to say that we don't understand yet, but we should be encouraged and full of expectation that we can understand and that as we pursue him, God will reveal his truth to us. You know, being in relationship with God should be the most freeing and wonderful experience of our lives. Even when he's telling us to pull our socks up, we should find freedom and love in God's rebuke. And Trent talked about rebuke recently as well. It was really good. So catch that if you haven't. But if we're not going from victory to victory, from freedom to greater freedom, if we're not understanding and experiencing deeper and richer God's love in this steady journey forward, then there are serious lies that are building blocks in our belief system, in our mind, and they're hindering us from living in the fullness that revelation from God gives. And I always see the belief systems of my mind as like a house. Okay, and it can be the most disorienting time when everything that we thought we knew of God gets pulled to pieces, like this big demolition, you know, the ball and chains swinging through and just massacre. And, you know, we're not sure if there's anything left to grab hold of and anchor us to our faith. But when God starts building layer upon layer of truth in that old house's place, building strong foundations, we can be so glad of that season of disorientation because it brought us to this place of freedom and peace and deep love that we can now understand and experience with a clarity that we never thought possible because we're learning the thoughts and the ways of God. I think that this passage also debunks another common misunderstanding. And um, if you'll continue to follow imagery with me, um, (laughs) I think that we often see God as though he's veiled in a mist. And it's like as we get closer to him, we see more and more of who he is. But I think that this passage, as well as other um, places in post-death and resurrection scripture, I think we can truthfully say that God is not veiled. It's our eyes that are clouded from truth, our mind that is patterned to this world. But as we pursue God and ask that question, God, who are you? The cloud gets lifted layer by layer from our eyes and our mind gets rewired to think like Christ so that we can see God clearer and clearer. He is not shrouded in mist. He is right here in all his glory, in all his beauty. We just need to learn to see him. It's like C.S. Lewis's famous Narnia series. In The Magician's Nephew, Uncle Andrew has opportunity to meet Aslan face to face. And while the children are able to interact with Aslan, they speak to him, they see him for who he is. The uncle sees him as this wild animal. And he only hears growling and roaring when Aslan speaks. Aslan doesn't change. 
as the uncle's perspective and the ways of thinking and the blinders on his eyes that prevent him from seeing Aslan for who he truly is. And the same is with us, you know, we need to first understand that we can know the thoughts and the ways of God. Then we also need to understand that it's not God who's distant. It's us who need the layers of cloud taken off our eyes to see him and our mind made new to think like him. Okay, here we go. Are you looking out for those moments of transformation? Um, I think it's important here to say that I don't go searching for truth. I go searching for God, and He transforms the way I think. Okay? I don't go searching for truth. I go searching for God, and He transforms the way I think. Um, And this can happen in so many ways. We can know more of God in so many ways if we're expecting to find Him. Through the Bible, through thoughts that arise from what we read, Um, A while back, someone mentioned this practice, so I began to do this as well. And I started to pray before I opened my Bible to read it. And I'd just say to God, show me who you are, God. I want to know you. And then I'd open my Bible and just read massive chunks of Scripture. And I found that every time I did this, God would show me something new about his heart. You know, we just need to ask. We just need to ask. He wants us to know him. And I think the thing that goes alongside this is that it's good to have questions. You know, when we don't understand a passage or we're getting confused, it's good to find a process that works. You know, whether it be writing down our questions, emailing Trent, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) calling a friend to talk about it, Google searching for answers, you know, just having a process to wrestle with the stuff that's confusing or muddling can be really rewarding. But as a balance, I think we also need to learn when to put things aside. You know, we can easily get trapped into pursuing these things that we're wrestling with for years, but I think sometimes when we put them to the side and say, okay, God, I'm going to set this aside and you'll reveal this to me when you're ready. And when I do this, I find that often down the track, you know, it could be months, it could be years, but the revelation will just come in a moment when I'm not even thinking about it. And God will just move one small piece in the puzzle and it will just fall into place and add to that growing picture. So read scripture to find out who God is, wrestle with those questions, but also be able to just set them aside. Our main focus should always be the God we do know, not the things we don't know yet. Here we go, through friends and fellow believers. The ones that we can see, you know, are learning and growing. Having those good and real God conversations, sharing what we think he's been teaching us. You know, it's actually, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to challenge one another's thoughts of God. And it's okay to be wrong as well. When we're around mature believers who are teachable, positioned to learn, we can have these discussions that cause us to change our belief. You know, we're not supposed to do Christianity alone. We're not supposed to be going after a solo relationship with God. God birthed the church for a reason. We are in relationship with one another for many reasons. 
And one of them is to learn from one another. We can't fine-tune our beliefs without letting iron sharpen iron. I was having a discussion with Sue a while back, um, a couple of years ago actually, at our fireworks stall about baptism. Uh, We had some old teaching material and over Liberty's journey we've had some new thoughts about baptism, about what it really is and and that it's actually more significant than a symbol, that there's something really transformational that happens when a person is baptised. So Sue was just sharing some of the history and, and things that she'd been learning and this little pebble of thought dropped in the pond and I thought, you know, like maybe this is something really that the church needs to hear or, you know, you kind of sometimes get a big head but... It gets small real quick. <laughs> um, and so I said, oh, well, you know, if that's the case, then is baptism maybe no longer relevant, you know? I thought it was might be some big revelation. But Sue explained how actually it's completely relevant, how it's necessary, it's part of um, the process. And I saw that my little pebble of thought was going completely the wrong direction. And that taught me right then and there that not every pebble of thought that drops in the pond is a pebble of truth. But the conversation was iron sharpening iron. And I learnt because I could have that discussion. Three, Holy Spirit encounters. You know, isn't it so amazing when the Holy Spirit shows up and just mess happens? You know? <laughs> We're like shaking, laughing, crying, experiencing things like deep peace, overflowing love. And I think it's easy to remember or focus on the feeling or the external thing that's happen- happening, you know, the shaking, the peace. But when the Holy Spirit shows up like that, he's doing so much more than making us jolt up and down or laugh uncontrollably. And those moments when he shows up, it's up to us to ask him, what are you doing? And to hear what he has to say. It's really easy to focus on the external outcome But in those moments, it's what's going on internally that actually matters. And so, you know, there are many other ways as well, you know, through creation, through the beauty around us, through movies and novels. You know, everything that connects me to God provides an opportunity for me to learn and grow. And the way I posture my heart helps me to see those opportunities that God is providing and to treasure them. So I'm just going to say that one again. (laughs) Everything that connects me to God provides an opportunity for me to learn and grow. And the way I posture my heart helps me see those opportunities that God is providing and to treasure them. Okay, here we go. The quick answer and the journey. (laughs) So it's a lifetime of learning and growing, of knowing more and more of God. And in this process, we'll find that some of our new thoughts, they receive a conclusion quickly. And other times, these new thoughts start us on a journey. So the thought I share this morning is a clear example of journey. You know, the idea of hell, of eternal punishment, has been in Christian thinking for a long time. But interestingly... After having receiving that question, um, I actually got an email about a rethinking hell conference, <laughs> and I thought the idea was hilarious. 
um, a conference to talk about hell when, like, normally most of our conferences we talk about Jesus. But, you know, um, so I watched the promo video mostly to get a kick out of it. Um, but I actually found it really interesting. And Joel and I ended up going along. So, um, and it was, it was um, really amazing. And you never know where the journey will lead you. <laughs> like, you just really don't. Um, but other times it's a quick and easy thought change. I remember having a conversation with someone about their daughter, and long story short, um, I remember from the conversation a thought coming to me, and I was like, God, it's better to be a no person than a yes person, isn't it? And I really, I felt him laughing at me, Um, I did, but I also felt this warm assurance that actually, yeah, it's better to be a no person than a yes person, Um, which is a real bummer for me, because I swear yes was one of the first words I learned, (laughs) like, I just say yes without thinking a lot. Um, Anyway, just a couple of weeks later, um, God just dropped some scripture in my mind, and it was the parable of the two brothers, and they're both asked to do a chore. So one says yes, and he doesn't do it, and the other one says no, but then later on he goes and does it. And Jesus asks his audience, you know, which brother was better? And clearly they all say the brother who said no, but went and did it. Um, And the scripture reference is Matthew 21 from verse 28. In its context, it actually has a different reason for being in scripture. But God used that parable to show me that truth. (laughs) It was just a couple of weeks and I had confirmation of that thought. So you see, the process can be different every time we learn something new. And I would suggest that the smaller shifts in our thinking can be answered quickly but the larger shifts in our thinking are going to take time and process. And I think the outcome can be different as well. You know, some things we might need to focus on implementing in our lives, like for me, not saying yes before I've thought it through. Um, But other things change the way we see God. They root out the lies we believe and and they replace them with truth. But I do believe that the outcome of learning must always be to grow. Otherwise, what's the point in learning? We'll just get puffed up, full of knowledge. But when our learning grows us, it keeps us in that place of love. It stops us from becoming a know-it-all. In fact, the more we learn and grow, the more we realize just how much there is to discover in Christ. And the more I know the more I realize just how much I don't know. But everything we learn and every way we grow is beautiful and wonderful and worth it. It is worth the journey. He is worth any journey. Test everything. (laughs) Test everything. (laughs) We do. We need to test everything. Um, And here are some questions that I challenge my thoughts with. Firstly, does it line up with what I already know of God? Is this thought a complement to the knowledge of God I already have? Or does it jar with what I know of God? You know, there are times when there may seem to be a trend happening in our journey of thought, and it makes us reevaluate what we thought we knew of God and maybe throw some of those old thoughts out. And this might happen a lot in one season, 
and then not so often after that. But other times, our thoughts jar with who we know, know God to be. It's the thought that isn't right. So it's important to test those thoughts and check, you know, do I need to throw this thought out? Do I need to reevaluate what I know of God? Or is this a piece that fits perfectly with the bigger picture that God has shown me of who he is? Does it line up with scripture? Does it line up with the picture that Christ paints of his father? I think there's something to be careful of because there are two ways to approach scripture when we ask that question. So again, like we need to evaluate our hearts and say, okay, am I coming to scripture with an idea that I want confirmed? Or am I coming to scripture asking who God is and letting him reveal himself to me? And those two different heart positions can receive two different outcomes. I also believe that it is important to read scripture in context. Um, I have nothing against the word for you today or anything like that. I think that it's really encouraging, actually. But I do believe that it's easy to lose context when we don't read large portions of scripture at a time. You know, a lot of scripture is a story or a teaching, and we miss that if we only read a few verses. When we read a whole chunk of scripture, we're more likely to see the bigger picture, and then we can let God highlight the detail. You know, often I find that the same passage could teach me five different things, or maybe one verse will stand out to me in a passage that I read. But I do try to read the whole passage. And you know, sometimes God will highlight something out of context. You know, like I said, God used that parable to show me the answer to my question, yet the context to the original audience was a bit different. But I didn't come to Scripture looking for an answer. I let God highlight Scripture to me in that way. And it's important that we let God do the unveiling of Scripture. Three, is there confirmation and discussion from fellow believers? You know, does Trent preach and say something and you go, oh man, I've just been thinking about that recently, you know, or in a discussion, does someone say something that fits in perfectly with what you've been thinking? Is this making me more confused or is it bringing freedom and clarity of thought? This one's important to me because I find that every time I'm getting more confused by a thought, either I'm not seeing the whole picture yet, or this thought is taking me in the wrong direction. If I'm not seeing the whole picture yet, I just tend to lay that thought to the side and I just let God bring it up again. If it's taking me the wrong direction, I just do like a mental throw that thought in the trash. But if it falls into place like a puzzle piece finding its perfect spot, then we should treasure it. And, you know, this might mean writing it down, sharing it with others. You know, I don't think we should ever keep a revelation of God to ourselves. We should tell the people in our lives because it should excite us every time we learn something new about God or see something in a fresh way. Is this something that is changing me to look more like Jesus? You know, as our eyes are unveiled to see more and more of God, as our minds are rewired with Christ's thoughts and thought patterns, 
we should be changing. When we look back at ourselves, we should be seeing positive growth and change. And you know, we should marvel at the person we are compared to the person we once were. And it should give us passion to keep pursuing God and excitement for the journey ahead. How is God confirming to me that this is truth? You know, there might be some other process um, or way I haven't discussed this morning that God uses to confirm with you that, yes, this is truth. Now, I'm not saying that we need six confirmations every time God shows us something new about himself. For me, things tend to be confirmed in threes. It might be different for you, but I believe that there does need to be a variety of confirmation, and I would say more than two. So I'm finishing up, um, but I just really want to briefly talk about my hope. So my hope is that today you will come away with increased understanding and awareness. Awareness of your heart's posture, you know, asking yourself, am I positioned to learn and grow? Asking the question, God, who are you? And I hope that you understand that we can know the ways, the thoughts of God, that he isn't supposed to be a mystery but that he is fully revealed in Christ. And our eyes just need to be open to see him. Our mind transformed to think like him. And I hope that you are coming away from this morning with tools and processes to receive and evaluate new ways of thinking, new thoughts and revelations that God shows you. And I hope that each of us will continue to position ourselves to think to learn and to grow in the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. You know, I'm actually, I'm so excited to see how God continues to reveal Himself to us in this church family. You know, it's a new year, and I think that there's always so much anticipation at the beginning of a year. You know, just thinking about all the potential that that year can hold for us. And I really do believe that this is a year of change, of positive change positive new growth and you know maybe this morning brought up some things for you that just really need to be processed Um, and I just really encourage you to make the most of our awesome ministry team who will be available afterwards and they would just love to pray with you we're not going to the park for lunch anymore but we are going to the foyer and you know um, there's just real opportunity there to have those God conversations to just start you know Um, But just before we have some worship to finish, I'd just like everyone to stand. I'd just like to um, pray for everyone. Um, So if you just want to put your hand on your heart, and I'd just like to pray. Father, we declare that 2019 is a year of transformation. We won't stay where we are. We will be intentional in our posture and our process to journey into greater knowledge and understanding of you. I pray that you will open our eyes to see you more clearly. Give us ears to hear your spirit-revealed truths. Let us be filled with your wisdom and your discernment. Bless us in this year of positive growth and transformation.
Amen.